podcast i'm kevin smith okay today we're going to talk to one of the most successful writers i know now it's twofold or double fold maybe even triple fold when you hear successful what what makes you go oh that is successful the earmark in this world of course is uh asses and seats which equate to dollars and cents so on the level of uh, is he a successful writer has he done some fucking business yes he's written stuff that's made billions literally billions of dollars so that's one earmark of of success one way to gauge it the other way to gauge it is if the fucking quality of the shit he writes is good that's another way to gauge it and he's got that going for him as well but when i think of successful writer this is what comes to mind for me uh somebody who had no connection to this world whatsoever uh was not written in the stars that they were even going to get a fucking break let alone a fucking seat at the table uh, our guest comes from the same neck of the woods as, as I do. And so I can attest to the fact that to go from where he went from to where he is now and what he wound up doing with his fucking life, that's like a moonshot. That's like fucking, you know, uh, how human beings used to look up at the moon and be like wow what's it like and then one day in the late 60s they were like fuck it we're doing it and they got there and shit that's crazy a million and one fucking shot that somebody from our neck of the woods gets into this business at all let alone gets into this business and shapes the fucking culture if you've got kids you hate this man probably because <laughs> your kids run around saying banana and shit and you're like god damn it um that's success right there. Like you can gauge it as adults as we're all adults here. And like, Oh, as I, as an adult, I could see he's done fucking very well for himself. But let me take you to the sub level of that, which nobody thinks about. He fuels the imagination of children. That's the next generation. Do you understand? That's, that's the thing you can't qualify. You can't sit there and be like, it's successful because it's working on a kid's mind. People take their kids to these movies. Case in point, there's a movie coming out called The Secret Life of Pets 2. Got a two in the title. There is two. Um, that bunch of kids going to go see that fucking movie. Bunch of kids going to go and love that movie uh, in the moment. And a bunch of parents going to be like, thank God, uh, my fucking kid shut up for 90 minutes to two hours. And then throughout the rest of their young life, they'll be able to pop that uh, movie on for them, stream it whenever it's available and stuff later on. And so it did its job in the moment. But what nobody takes into consideration is what is the job it is doing that you don't see? What kind of mind is being built by watching the stuff that our guest wrote, man? Like, I don't write for kids, but I know I've written for like adults and I've seen how my dopey writing has impacted their lives. What are the chances, man, that like we got a generation of kids being raised on the thoughts and creativity of motherfucker from my neck of the woods man like that's that's success that's like shaping young hearts and fucking minds and the good news is not only is the guy who's shaping those young hearts and minds legit funny 
he's a legit good guy. So it's not like your kids are being left in the care of some asshole who's like, I'm in it for the fucking money. This motherfucker's a writer and has been writing for as long as I've known him and stuff. Um, and legit funny and a legit warm and wonderful person. For any proof of this, just go to his Instagram and look at his fucking account. It's all about his fucking kid. Just like news, this is one of those super fucking dads. So isn't it nice to know that a super dad is writing the shit that your kid is wanting, tugging at your shirt, be like, take me to this. This Friday, the Secret Life of Pets uh, 2 opens up worldwide, or at least uh, here in the States and then the world elsewhere. Yes. Or this is something like that. Um, you can't avoid a fucking billboard in town, and they're all adorable and shit, uh, including the one that says, I'm the shit zoo, and there's the shit zoo in it. Did they take that joke out of the script? That was not. That's not in the movie, and I've, people have complained to me about it. I, when I saw that billboard, I said to myself, Brian's joke that they extracted from the movie. I didn't write the billboard. it. That's I pretty, you're, getting, you're getting fucking soft in your old age. <laughs> Uh, welcome back to Smodcast. You've been here before. Yes, of course. Uh, the great Brian Lynch, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Kevin. That was a lot of pressure. Now, I didn't know I was shaping young minds. So. You didn't think about it, did no. you? Thank God. But I, I, I legit can fucking vouch for you because I see like you love being a dad. Love yeah. that kid. You have great respect for and affection for that kid and whatnot. Um, she'd big part of he big part. My kid just walked in. So she was a mama. He's big part of your life. Some people have kids and like, oh, yeah, and I also have a kid. Even though you work in a business where so many people would love to fucking put a toe, let alone fucking have the the position that you have in it, still you know the important thing. And the important thing is fucking your kid. So I admire anybody that can balance the personal and the fucking professional. You seem to do it with relative ease. Now, I should point out, Brian's not alone. He also has a wonderful wife, but I should also point out she fucking works too. She's she works harder than I do. Yeah, sure. like For it sure. could very well be that yeah. she's actually like hers is in a more like Brian's is I'm a writer, so I write what I feel like I'm writing or right. whatever. Her job is I've got to oversee a world. I, dude, you can we can say she she's uh she's an executive at Lucasfilm, so she's got she's working on like eighty different Star Wars projects. And then right now the whole audience is going, you forgot the margin of success, the measurement to say that he married somebody who works in fucking Lucasfilm. And it was before yes. I married her, too. I was true. Just, I, I lucked into it. She was he, at MTV Films when I married is her. That what, yeah. So what did she work on, like, prior? Like, because I remember when you first met her and stuff, what was she working on before? Like, what was at MTV Films at that time? I think Eon Flux was one of the ah, ones. That that's right, right. That's right, man. Um, the one where Sam Jackson's it's Lean on Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, she worked on that. Um and then I was I went in for a meeting with her to adapt a Japanese uh, comic book called Love Hina. Is that how you met? Yeah, yeah. And uh, so thank <laughs> being a dork paid off. Um, and writing once again. I know. God, yeah. thank God you're good with words in this life. But otherwise, you know, you'd be still stuck in Jersey. Like our me. first date, though, it was at your house where we're recording. I want to take a picture of where we first that kissed. Spot. Yeah, yeah. I take credit for that all the time. I'm like Lynch is happy because of me. Right. We, me and uh, Carrie were friends for like six months, and I started realizing I liked her. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, we, what was the event? Here? It was a poetry the reading. Poetry reading for Harley School. <laughs> I want to say, yeah. And, yes. and I, and I, and one I, of the most uh, needy causes of all. <laughs> private school children <laughs> we had a fucking a fundraiser but it was during the poetry month which i think is february mm. national poetry month 
So we had a bunch of cool people come up and read poems and shit. Oh, our first there? kiss was the guy from Deadwood was talking behind us. Oh, uh, fuck it up. Ian McShane. Ian McShane, yeah, yeah. McShane was up there doing a piece. So every time like, I hear him be evil, I'm like, oh. Like so when now Deadwood just had their movie air on HBO, and when it ever plays, you're like, yo, I've got live wood. <laughs> <laughs> it's your like clarion call for sex. Ian McShane talking dirty. Who else was Jeff Garland? Uh, Casey Was Carrie that, there that time? Who? Carrie Fisher? No, she was not. That was no. the year before no. or whatever? Uh, yeah, I, I never met her. I think Carrie, my Carrie has met Carrie Fisher at one point. But, uh, um, so wait, when did she get the gig at Lucasfilm? Because she's been doing it for a minute now. Yeah, right before right before Henry was, right before she got pregnant with Henry. So about uh, seven years ago. That's wow. fucking, now as a guy who grew up liking the stuff like me, how fucking dope is that? You also get inside dope all the time. You know what's happening before the rest of us. I, you know, a little bit, but I realized it's not as much fun. So I tell her not to tell me anything. You're like, Shut up. I don't yeah. want to spoil it. Yeah. I don't want to know. Like I, I knew certain spoilers and, and I would, I, everybody else didn't know it was coming. So it wasn't as exciting for me. But, uh, so now I don't know anything. I go, I go in blind. I just got to do the ride though early, which is kind of awesome. You awesome. sent me a picture, Brian, and texted me a picture. He's like, we could talk about this on the podcast. <laughs> and I thought, yeah, I saw a picture come through. I was like, oh no, it's a dick pic. And it was, <laughs> it was Lynch on the Millennium Falcon on the ride. What is it called? Smugglers? Smugglers Blues? No. Um... <laughs> That plays the whole time. People are like, what a weird choice. It's an interesting mashup. They're like, you know, I just, maybe they'll do it for a year and stop. They're like, no, lifetime contract. Um, and then they, they have smug smugglers Mann, blues milk. Fucking, who was that? John Fogarty? No. Was the other uh, uh, Glenn Fry. Glenn Fry. <laughs> <laughs> they talked to Glenn Fry's well, state, I believe. Disney has been trying to do a Glenn, a Glenn Fry land for so long. <laughs> they saw their chance. Uh, it's Smuggler's Run, I think. When you first come into the that action of the park. Which would have to be called, not Fryland's too easy. Fryland's great though. Is uh, it? Yeah. Glen Landing. Glen's Glen. Glen's Glen. Glen's Glen. <laughs> so you gotta fucking know. You gotta know deep. Cut. I was thinking Bedford Fry. That's not bad. <laughs> okay. That's pretty sweet. Thanks. So when you walk through the gates of Bedford Fry, what you hear is, "Are you gonna stay with <laughs> the one who loves you?" Kids just light up. <laughs> <laughs> Light up. <laughs> smugglers run right i think it's smugglers run um how now because your lady's involved with lucasfilm is she also involved in the parks as well oh yeah yeah she's working on all the stuff so yeah. she she was there like so she's been involved from like the build of she got to go to imagineering and see all that stuff oh, oh yeah the fuck? she's cooler than i am she should be here Kevin, <laughs> she be her. um jc who runs the scum the scum and villainy cantina he went and he said like number one he's like it's fucking amazing it's everything you dreamed about yes. but he goes what i find really fascinating is they built it high enough where when you're in the world all you see is the world and sky yep you can't see the castle mm -hmm. you can't see other things i was like that's fucking it, you're not at disneyland when it's you're immersive. there yep Ooh. it's it's neat too when you walk through the gates it plays the the, the new john williams music that he recorded for the land he created new music yep. just for the yep Jesus. But while you're walking through the the area, like the shops and stuff, it doesn't play orchestra because you're living the life of being in Star Wars, and those so guys don't have that music. Score. That's right. Yep. Really? Oh my god, it's so good. It's I like so good. that. And they said they're opening in Florida, like a hotel that you go into, <laughs> and it's like no windows because all the windows are TVs, and like TV space windows, space. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once you get in, they said when they open it, I think it's in a few months or whatever, they make them wear the outfits. Like you got to wear local clothing. So that is completely 
immersive that at that is point. Weird. Yeah. That's what's going to kill movies. If you can walk into a movie like that, right? Then people will be like, "Why would I fucking pay for this bullshit?" Well, I think the Harry Potter land is very is, is it's insane. Like even Carrie had never seen a movie, read a Harry Potter book, and we went to the one in Orlando for the opening of the Minions ride. Right. And, um, she she went home. She's like, "I want to read everything. I want to see all the movies." It, it makes you love the stuff before you know the stuff. And you just reminded me as well. You wrote. The Minions Ride. The Minions Ride. Right. That's so what the, got me the Minions movie. Writing the ride first? Yes. Yeah. How did you... We talked about this in the last one, but a brief primer. How did you wind up in Illumination? Uh, I, when, I, when I moved here about 15 years ago, I had a general meeting when Chris Melodondry was at Fox Blue Sky. He started Fox Blue Sky. Right. And they did like... Uh, uh, Ice Age, mm -hmm. Robots. Um, I think they... Did they do the uh, Peanuts Horton? movie as well? Or they no? did after he left. After he left. Yeah. Um, he might have got the party started and then left. Right. I don't know. Um, but... Uh, they I so I, I did some jokes for robots and I I sold a, a screenplay to them and then Chris left and founded Illumination and, and robots uh, was uh, Robin Williams Robin Williams Ewan McGregor um, so did you when you wrote jokes for it mm -hmm. that was early on in the process like did they let you come into the room and see the jokes play out yes or? yes so it, you got to see Robin Williams do your jokes oh no 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 I was never there for recording I'm the there cool. for every recording at, at Illumination but not for when at, you, at robots I was just punch you up. were brand new right Right. So now, so when did they start bringing you in for all the records? Uh, uh, once I did Hop at Illumination, they called me in for four weeks of work, and it turned into two years. On Hop, yes. So you you were meant to write some bits and mm -hmm. stuff, but then you wound up doing more and more. I got along with the with Chris Meldondry very well. I got along with the director Tim Hill really well, and I I stayed through pre production. I was on set, and I read the Rabbit because the Rabbit wasn't there. I read yeah. it half the time because our our guy on set got a job on Pirates 4 or 5, like one of the- The guys. guy who was doing the on-set hop? Yes, he left, so I did it. Was he, Was this was pre, he wasn't wearing a suit. No. He wasn't motion <laughs> No, no, no. So I would I would have. You were like, I'll put it on, I'll be Sean Gunn right now. <laughs> so you were on set pretending to be Russell Brand, and did you guys know it was going to be Russell Brand yes, at that point? Yes, yeah. And in fact, James and Russell hung out and recorded before they started filming, just so James uh, Marston got a feeling for how Russell was going to do it. Um. So when you were on set, did you lean into your British or no? No, I tried. <laughs> it was not a good idea. I just because I also wanted to ad lib so James could ad lib back. He liked doing that. So I want I just it was me. It's right, me right. monotone basically because he, he told me that if I act up, he'll act up and he wants to play it normal. So just read it. Basically. That's dope. Yeah, he's the best. He's the nicest guy. So that was two years of hop. And then after mm -hmm. that, Melendario was like, you're my fucking dude. No, not yet. He said he, he knew I liked theme parks. Um, That sounds weird, but he knew I like. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, and he's like, we're doing on my Tinder profile. I listed theme parks. <laughs> so he knew uh, a lot of theme park talk on this episode. Um, truly is. Um, he knew I, I liked uh, theme parks. <laughs> he said, can't get away from He that. said, uh, do you want to write the, the, the minions? I were going to do one, a despicable me ride. And I said, yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to try. I've never seen a script. They never told me how to write a ride. For, you know, I, I had meetings with them, but I didn't know the format. So I just wrote a movie script, but, and then in bold wrote what would happen to the writers. That's, that's, I guessed. And uh, did it, that, that work? Yeah, that's they never told me to not do that. So that's where it went. And then I wrote the cue, which Meanwhile, I wasn't the guy who wrote the Simpsons where I was listening to this going, you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> well, it they, was that easy. I, I, I got. I mean, the Simpsons ride I worked with the same people on that because it's Did universal. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. And and they told me that the the parks people wrote the first draft of the Simpsons ride, and then the Simpsons people were like, "No, we've got this." And then they took it over and wrote that it. That ride was great. I and think it it's the funniest ride. Well written. It might be the funniest ride made. Like, I mean, not. I can't think of one that made me laugh out loud like that one. It has been. You're gonna have to forgive me. It's been a minute since I've been up to Universal. 
does the Minions ride? It's not Simpsons ride still exists, yeah. and the Minions ride separately exists. Like remember, the Simpsons took the place of something? Uh, Back to the Future. But they didn't do that with Minions. No, Minions took over for Terminator Two. What happens? Now? Oh, it's where the T two thing yeah. was. Mm-hmm. And this is a sidebar. What happens in the fucking world where Disney now owns the Simpsons? Uh, they have the rights to do the rides, but they don't. They don't. But I mean, I wonder if that's in perpetuity or i don't know i mean spider-man's the same problem because isn't that a universal too that's the spot that's a ride at universal that's right that's in universal islands of adventure oh shit um all right fuck all that and there's another ride coming out that i co-wrote the pets ride is next year they're doing a pets ride yeah yeah where uh near the minions ride i don't know what it took over it's not taking not kicking any other ride out i don't know what so how close did the minions ride get to your script Oh, very, very. Cause I was there every every minute for it, and, and and it's a movie ride, so like it was all animated, and except for the seats, which go and mm. douse you with the water, because of course it's the ride. But like, uh, oh yeah, they stuck close. I even wrote the cue, like the stuff that talks to you while you're waiting, because I was so excited. I think the script, I thought it was going to be an easy gig. It was a year and a half, and the script was sixty pages, I think. Sixty pages. Yeah. yeah. That covers what a four minute ride. <laughs> five, five minutes, and then the setup, like the yeah, the cue. But that is genius. I don't know anybody that's written fucking rides, man. Like every once in a while, somebody's like, hey, you want to write a video game? I'm like, I don't know how to do that. That's the hardest. That's like 600 pages. I remember my friend gave me the, the script to the Ghostbusters game because uh, Dan Aykroyd co-wrote it. And, and, and it is it's a it's a it's a huge like 300, 400 page wad because there's so many options. Like you, you have to you have to write dialogue for no matter what happens. Now, that's. Uh... The ride is coming out after well, probably when the movie hits video or something like that. Uh, I don't. I, I just know it's uh, Memorial Day or around like so, sometimes summer year? next year in in California. It's fucking crazy, man! You've got two rides yeah. to your fucking name. One more, you get a set of steak knives. I know. Very excited. Um, what is the uh, so after the ride? The ride went so well that Melon Derry was like, "Why don't you write the Minions movie?" Right. Chris said, uh, "Yeah, he liked my he liked that I was able to capture the voice of the of the that world. I didn't uh, so I didn't let them down. So they, they said, "Do you have any ideas for a Minions movie?" And the one that kept popping in my head was because uh, you know I've seen you at Comic Con. We I go every year too. It, it was uh, what if we had an, a villain con like it was Comic Con for bad guys right. and the Minions went and from and I thought that was gonna be the whole movie and it turns out it's just like a twenty minute part in the final one. But that was enough to get them excited and they're like, "Oh, that's a good idea." So. We built, we built on it from there. So it started as like, you were like, this is what I think the movie is. And like, that's part of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think I went a little inside. Like, what about Hall H jokes? And they're like, what are you, what are you talking about? <laughs> there is a Hall H joke, by the way. Um, awesome. But, uh, yeah. So, so and, and, you know, they, they originally it was in, took place in the same continuity as Despicable Me. Like it, it happened after part two. Mm-hmm. And, uh, they wanted an origin story of how the minions met, uh, Steve Carell's character. So it became and put it in the sixties when Gru was a little kid. Uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. So right after that, where they're like, now, has it been a series of now do this, now do this? <laughs> do you work anyplace else? Um, are you under contract? I'm under contract right now. Yeah. I, 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 there was a time where I could have, and I just didn't like for time. I couldn't. How long are, are you under contract for? Uh, and another year, another year until Minions 2 comes out next year. That's got to be fucking sweet. <sighs> it seems like a relationship has been incredibly fruitful. It's well, Chris Meldondry is the the is that how you say it? Yeah, Meldondry. Meldondry. Yeah, Meldondry. Yeah, he's he's one of the nicest people that I've worked with, and he's also I just sometimes I just shut up and learn from him, and because mm-hmm. he's not only good at like obviously like crafting story and character, and but he's good at dealing with people, and I'm shy and I'm I'm not good, so I kind of just try like what, what would Chris do in this situation? Um, it is and it is going to sound weird, and uh, but there was a time in my life where it was like 
you took care of me in a way like creatively is, does that make sense like yeah. you looked out for me yes um and i get the same feeling from him and i just did an interview i would say he looked out for you way more no i mean i, I may, <laughs> may, maybe but like but here's I did, a billion dollar job yeah but here's you, another billion dollar job but he wasn't in new jersey when nobody else like he, you 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 saw that i that i was that i had potential and i see the same thing in him and that you guys are you guys are giving and you're creative uh but you're also someone to base like how to be a person like how to be a good person. He's a good dude. Yeah, you both are. That's the- thank you. He, uh, you got Mosier job. Yes, and Mosier wound up fucking co-directing the Grinch movie and, and stuff. Awesome. He yeah. was on when he talked about it on an episode of his podcast. Mm-hmm. I heard the yeah. props and stuff. Um, so he trusts your opinion, Chris Melendondry. Yes, fucking deal. Yeah, because you were like, hey, there's this other dude. He's a buddy. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's been to my my kid turned six last month. He's been to all six birthday parties. Like Stop he it. Henry loves him. Yeah, and yeah, he's a. He's a good guy. He, I mean, I, I, I don't know if you know this. Henry's in Pets Two a lot. What do you mean? Uh, he, well, the movie, the one of the storylines in the movie is uh, Max, who's the lead dog. Uh, Pat Oswalt does the voice, and Duke, the other, you know, his brother in the movie, uh, Eric Stone Street. Their owner has a baby, and Max is at first afraid of it because kids are very manhandly with ki- with with dogs, and then learns to love him. And, That's the plot. Yes, and then realizes how dangerous the world is because the kid is walking around and he's and so max becomes neurotic and uh, doesn't let the kid out of his sight doesn't want the kid to go away has all the other pets kind of hiding and ready to go if something happens to the kid and the kid is voiced by my kid are you shit no he's in it a lot and he and and it was literally I, we have no intention of putting him in movies like i i did i just don't like it I, just accidentally happened I, I i had him do the lines into my phone so they could do scratch yeah and scratch do check. storyboards and see if it was funny and i and i got an email from universal with a contract and i was like oh I have to ask Carrie if this is okay. So there are lines in the movie that were recorded on my phone in my my kitchen. Like, are you shitting me? He's just repeating. He was three. He's six now. He was three. He's just oh, re- so he can't even do like the voice now. He right? had to do the last two. He has the last two lines in the movie, and he had to do them fairly recently. And he doesn't he have the speech ba- impediment. He yeah, had to he baby had, it up. Yep. Yeah. So he had to literally act. Yes. You and he backdoored your kid into fucking acting. I didn't mean to. And it sounds it. dirtier too than when you say it like that. But like, think about it. Like. But when he starts, you know, it's like, hey, just say some shit in the phone, blah, blah, blah. But now you're like, you got to pretend to be someone you're not. That's fucking acting. Yes. And when we did test screenings, he wasn't included on the sheet of which characters did you like? Because it's mostly we want about the pets. Right. And he's a human. And uh, he was a write-in for a lot of people. People were like, like what was the kid's name in the movie? Liam. They're like, I like Liam. Yep. And it's. Here's one, one more story. I'm going to name drop. I'm sorry. Do but it. Do it. At the premiere of the movie, Harrison Ford's in the movie. And, um, and I think I saw like one of your tweets or something. I saw, I thought I saw a reference to Harrison Ford. He plays a dog. He plays a dog. He plays the dog that kind of gets Max to be less neurotic. Like he's the, if it were city slickers, he's curly. If that makes sense. So, um, uh, he, Harrison Ford, you know, watched the movie before the premiere and, mm. and loved it. And because of he, because he liked it so much, he's like, I'll do whatever you guys want. Like he went to the Today Show. He flew to New York. He's on the Today. Like a really sweet guy. So at the premiere, we're all waiting to go in. And Henry's going to go in with the rest of the cast, too, because this is the one time where that's going to happen. And he Harrison sees me and we've worked together a bunch at this point. And he walks towards me. I'm like, oh, Henry, I want, this is what I've been waiting for. I want you guys to meet. And Harrison keeps getting picked off by people like to take selfies. Right, and right. he makes it to me uh, and he shakes my hand. And I'm like, he's like, how are you doing? Good. To, good to see you. And he. He looks at Henry. Henry looks at him with his sunglasses. And I'm like, this is my son, Henry. He goes, this is a good look, Henry. And Henry's like, thanks. And and Henry does the voice of Liam in the movie. And Harrison looks at for a second and then recoils like and goes, 
you're Liam in the movie? And he's like, yeah. Henry's like, yes. And he goes, you're great in this movie. Holy and Hen- shit. Yeah, and Henry's like, what? Like, it was it was cool. Because Henry's seen Star Wars and, and, and knows what that means. So. Good for Henry, but I'm going to fucking take you back. Like, you worked with Har- Harrison Ford. He's a sweet guy. Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. How long did it take to get over <laughs> history? Dude, like, I childhood. It's not, I'm not over it. I'm not over it. In fact, it, it was funny because, you know, Bobby Moynihan's in the movie, too. And he's, oh, he's be- we should, I should, all of us should come in and just do this. Do he's the, we were flirting for a while, like, about uh, coming over, and then things got away. But, oh. He's, a, he's the sweetest guy. Like, he's, of all the people in the movie, like, I've become friends with him and it's it's a, i love him he's a legit good dude. i ran into him at, at smuggler's blues and, and at disney we were all we were all excited and, and uh and he was texting me that day and he's like let's tell harrison ford the premiere we went on the millennium falcon and i'm like let's bother him all day about it like we were so brave harrison we did this and we did but we didn't because he's harrison ford um where am i going with my story anyway never got over it never never did and i've seen i saw people that you'd think would get over it uh, at the premiere that were not. They were just like little kids when he was talking to them. The one person that was cool with him and Harrison kind of gravitated to because he was cool with him is Dana Carvey is in the movie. And Dana they Carvey's were, in the movie They're too? like legend. And like they're just two like legends hanging out. And they were very cool and they kind of hung out. Who's Dana Carvey do? Dana Carvey plays Pops, who's an old dog who's paralyzed from the waist down. He's a basset hound. Um, he's in the first one. And in this one, he's uh, he starts a puppy school because his owner gets... A new puppy because you know when you get an older dog you get a younger one to make him live longer so they play that's the joke and pops doesn't want anything to do with them but then all the puppies gravitate and so pops decides to train them oh that's dope yeah so it's so and he's another one he he told by the way he told my kid he goes you're really great at voice acting dana carvey said that i'm like henry you don't get it yeah that's awesome one day you'll understand yeah. what is uh what does dana carvey do the voice what kind of voice uh, like the old man, like the like the angry old man on Saturday Night like, Live. Yeah, my yeah. day. Yes, yes, Does yeah. he really? A little, it's a little warmer than that, but yeah. And we were trying to figure out the voice, and it's funny we thinking didn't that. Have really we liked it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. We how oh, how oh, we loved it. He did every voice that he's ever done trying to figure out the pop's voice. So I heard him do Garth doing my lines as Garth doing like uh, George Bush, uh, Jimmy. Stewart. Oh my God, Jimmy Stewart was almost. The one we landed on because it was so funny. It was just too close. It's Jimmy Stewart. Like right. it's, but I'll say this too. Dana Carvey shows up with ad libs written the night before, which I don't see, which is just so cool. What do you mean? He has he has the script. We gave him a couple days before, and he and writes, he writes jokes. his jokes, and and it, it, it it's awesome. Like it's just it's awesome. And and I, every time he goes, do you guys mind if I try this? It's like no, no, yeah, that's good. Yeah, you're you're you bringing it. Us. It's amazing. What uh? Who else? So you got to be in the booth with ever? You were mm-hmm. there for all the recording mm-hmm. stuff. Um, who is the director of the show? Chris Renault, who directed Pets 1, Despicable Me 1 and 2. And is he the one that does the Minions voice? No, that's Pierre Cofan. He, But I think Chris Renault has done a couple Minions voices, but Pierre's mostly the Minions. Lowell, man. This is so easy to sell weed for Lowell. Uh, this, is, this is one of the classier smokes out there, man. You hear this? That's the sound of a box of Lowell Smokes, man. I went into a store, went into Urban Trees, picked up, uh, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six boxes of Lowell Smokes, man, pre-rolls. Got the calming indica here, man. Also got the hybrid and also got the sativa. These joints are so adorable. Perfectly packed and packed with potency, man, like 15% THC, really smooth smoke. But hands down, the best packaging 
in the game. You know, it's it's crazy, man. Like how you could turn someone on to low oil smokes with the box alone. People are like that's that's brilliantly engineered. Comes with its own matches and stuff inside. Lowell Herb is it's is a small California cannabis company that has the best selling and most beloved cannabis product in the state. Lowell has its own farm, but also partners with dozens of family farms up and down the California coast, man. Lowell is devoted to high-quality, clean, and organic cannabis. I, I can attest to it. Shit smokes nice. And that's what I have around the house. When people come over, company, a lot of people coming over to watch Jane Silent Bob reboot um, here at the house. I say, hey, man, you know what's going to make this movie funnier? Smoke one of these. And I give them a Lowell joint, man. They really fucking dig it. So Lowell is sold in over 350 dispensaries across the state, man, of California. Check out their website, lowellsmokes.com. That's L-O-W-E-L-L-S-M-O-K-E-S.com. To find a store near you, man. But I can really uh, speak for these Lowell smokes. I dig them. If you're buying pre rolls, perfect fucking size. Yeah, you you could smoke half of. They come in like uh, cartons of fourteen and seven. You can smoke seven. You don't even feel dirty. I don't. Oh, and, and man, what a clean, wonderful smoke it is. I've done some wonderful things smoking Lowell smokes. Why don't you do the same? LowellSmokes.com. So what what is the relationship between you writer him director like when you're in the room can you be like oh say it like every this. time oh it's great you yeah well, first voice of all, Renault is usually in Paris yeah so he does it on a screen I'm I'm in the room next to the actor and I'm on Skype with Chris so I'll email I'll text him lines and if he likes them, he'll pitch them out to the actor. Because mm. I, I, but there have been times where he couldn't go, and like for instance, Tiffany Haddish is in this one, and she couldn't, he couldn't make her last recording. So I found out five minutes before that I was directing her, and I was like, I'm glad I didn't know going in that that was what my day was, because I would have been nervous. But she's great. So, it, so yeah. So it's I, I, everything goes to the director, and it is flat. But are you when you say when I'm like when you went in to direct Tiffany, that's you going like, can you try it a little more like this, mm-hmm. like literally influencing the performance yes yes but it was like a couple lines it was like it was her last one um i got to direct a short uh from minions and that's the first step to a feature that's what Mosier did he directed a short and then short oh it was uh sing on sing yeah that's right and then he wound up co-directing well they illumination has reached out in terms of me directing but getting back to having a kid i i I don't seems like a lot of work i would be away from him and also most of the stuff is in paris so that was the other thing Mosier went away for like i can't be hands-on yeah so I'll, I'll get there um, when my kid gets sick of me. Maybe I'll do it. Like Illumination for those. I mean, look, if they listen to this podcast, they probably know because Mosher told them. But they do all of their animating in France. Yes. Like not in just in France and like uh, the shittiest part of France in fucking Paris. Yeah. Like the view of the Eiffel Tower from the window. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. And um, we, I meet with them three times a week, I, early in the morning for me, late at night for them. And then we go over stuff. Yeah. yeah. How often do you have to go over there? Ever? I've never gone over to there. Really? And I should have by now. But again, the kid, the kid and my fear of flying gets in the way. But, yeah, uh, but I do. But I would go. And I think when Henry gets older and can go with me for the summer, maybe we'll do it. My And my wife can get away, too. Now, where does the idea for the story of Pets 2 come? from do you say to chris like i think we should do this or is chris like uh this is what we're doing or how does it happen well there's there's it, this this movie's influenced by love actually and that there's like three separate storylines <laughs> that tie in seriously like that's awesome i was watching it and i'm like that's kind of what i want to try but there's awesome. three separate storylines um the max storyline where he's dealing with being a father and it, it making him neurotic that's is, what you pitched yes that's that's the the spine of the movie for me because that's right. that uh the other one 
uh, is Snowball, which is uh, Kevin Hart is a, a rabbit and his owner uh, dresses him in, um, in the suit, the superhero suit. Yeah. And so. so he thinks he's a superhero. So and we had to come up with an adventure for him. That that was all of us. That was the storyboard people, the head of story, Eric Favela, the producer trying to figure out. And then the last one was um, Gidget. Uh, the dog loses something and it winds up in a, a cat lady's apartment with a million cats. So she's got to pose as a cat to get it back. Right. And she's the nicest dog in the world, so it's completely polar opposite of what she usually is. So that was, that, I don't remember the genesis of that, but it, but of that idea. But it, yeah, I, I'm lucky enough to be in all the meetings for the story and the and the and, and the, the editorial. So like I, my hands are all over it, which is nice. What um the why go with three stories? Um, sounds like it's an easier approach because it, it's like with you got kids. Here, let me try to reverse engineer. Kids have short attention spans, so they're like, "Let's do this. Let's right. do this." Let's it might be this. that I have a short attention span. <laughs> <laughs> um, I honestly, the the first. Oh, so you were the one that was like, "Let's th- thread three stories." Unless the critics don't like that part, I'll take full credit for it. But uh, no, <laughs> you know what it was? It, the Minions is has three lead characters, or right. three Minions. Pets has fifteen characters that people love. They're all over the billboards. Yeah. yeah so. We had to find something for everyone to do. So that they weren't like, you can't have 15 characters on screen on one, all the on time. one mission. Yeah. But yeah. So, so it became that. <laughs> but it's like the X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we were like, how many of these fuckers are there? That said, I would love to do one where they all, like an Ocean's Eleven, where they all have to work together like to do heist. something. Maybe that's part three. I don't know. But it, it definitely was a, a product of having these characters that people love, make sure that nobody gets shortchanged. And we want to introduce new characters like Tiffany, Tiffany Haddish's character and, and Harrison's character. And so Harrison, who Harrison, Harrison Ford, Ford, he yeah. wasn't in the first one. No, no. And Tiffany, obviously, she wasn't in the no. first one. So they're the two new dogs on the block. Yes, I'm thinking. I feel like there's an. Oh, Henry's a new character, and then the villain is Nick Kroll, and he's new to mm-hmm. the world too. Now, I mean, we're not a kid show, but we could do this very briefly. But there's another name in one of those pets movies no longer around. Who's that? <laughs> I don't know. Who you mean. Um, you mean Albert Brooks? He was in the first one. And yeah, he, his character will come back if there's a part three. I think that's all you're thinking of, right? Did you work with Patton a lot? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've been there every moment. I uh, He was over once on the podcast a long, long time ago. But I like the cut of his jib. He seems like a real fucking good dude. He's a, he's a sweet guy. Yeah. Uh, he, he's he got a kid, so he knew like all the stuff with the character in the movie with being neurotic about it, being a parent. And also, fuck it. Like, that's... That's Ratatouille. And he's right funny. There. Yeah. Like, and oh, yes. And, and he can act, which is like, not yes. just be like, ha ha, like yeah. making jokes. But I was ha- at the premiere. He walked up to me at the party afterwards and he said, Meredith, my wife and I cried at the end of the movie. And that's because oh. of you. And I'm like, that's that that made my day. What he's really saying is me and Natty Gann. Yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the emotional journey of Natty Gann. She's in the movie, too. She's got a couple lines in the movie. Does she too. really? Yeah, that's she's funny. She's a voice person. Like, mm-hmm. I saw her in the credits of Star Wars. I think she's part. in a Star Wars show. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what <clears throat> this wasn't the life you saw for yourself in Middletown, but I got to imagine this life is way better than the one that you saw for yourself. Every every part of it's way better. Like <laughs> yeah. I, if, if I wasn't if I wasn't working, I just can't believe my luck with with the person I got to wind up with and the and the kid that I have. Um, the dogs, my dogs are crazy, and that I'd like to change that, but that's okay. Um. Uh, work-wise, I, I shouldn't be that surprised because I love the Muppets so much, and that's kind of the screenplay that people remember when I made the rounds in Hollywood. But twenty when Brian years ago, first got out here. He got out here on the strength of a Muppet spec script. Yeah, which did they buy? They Henson bought it, and then just didn't do it. No, because the Muppets from Space didn't do so well, so they couldn't make another Muppet movie. But that was enough. That was Brian's calling card. That was where people were like, oh, "I read your Muppet script," and he got into. 
What was the next gig after the Muppet gig? I, I, the, oh, we know this fucking Nightcrawlers. No, Looney Tunes was before Muppet. You Nightcrawlers. did a Looney Tunes. I did. I did two Looney Tunes scripts. Um, I pitched it and they they bought it in the room. Uh, on the first the first trip out about the Muppet script, I had a Looney Tunes meeting and I had an idea and I told them they bought it in the room and it was uh, Coyote, Coyote versus Acme, which is uh, based on they they knew they wanted to make something called that. I think it was ba- there's a two page article like and they wanted to turn it into a movie. Right. So I had a full. Uh, story based on it live action animation combined and then when they didn't make that by the way that's back in play i know they're they're trying to make it now i was gonna say that could totally fucking still work i mean that's the beautiful thing about writing a cartoon script is like maybe you got a few like gags that are tied to the era yeah you just replace those but that would still fucking work did you go inside it was coyote versus acme like a legal case right yes it was the uh (laughs) it was he was suing them for years of of faulty merchandise genius idea no wonder they bought it in the room i hope i i I hope i hope they make it it was really fun they should do that as fucking live action it it is it's both a hybrid yes it's like roger did you write it as that yeah and what year did you write it as that they inter- they invited me to a Matrix screening once I bought it. So whatever the first you- one was that ninety nine. Oh my like god! Twenty yes. years ago. Yeah. Um. Wow, man. So that's so you were. That's at a time you know nowadays people be like so. That's at a time where like mixing a cartoon and a person, like Roger Rabbit was very expensive and took like a fucking lot of time right. and shit. Now, you could do that so fucking easy. <laughs> I know. Like yeah. that, now, that's kind of what they do. That's like where the Chipmunks came yes. from, and fucking Space Jam, yeah. which I saw with you. I think that was yes. right before I sold Coyote versus Acme. Um, and then when I they didn't make that happened. movie, they I said, "Well, what about the? <laughs> I have another Looney Tunes idea." And they're like, "Of course you do. Tell us." And it was uh, Bugs and Company find out that Warner Brothers has a clause in their contract saying you have to be at least a high school graduate to work for them. So all the characters go back to high, a human high school. It was called Varsity Bugs. And oh, my God. I remember yeah. the opening being a parody of Space Jam. And it was because the human character was a guidance counselor that got assigned all of them, like right. an erotic guy. And the the I don't remember, remember when we saw Space Jam, the, the opening scene is a young Michael Jordan. And he's got all the cards of the players and he just wants to be a basketball hood. And the dad's like, someday, son, the opening of varsity bugs was the kid who wanted to be a guidance counselor all his life and he had all the collector's cards of guy famous guidance counselors <laughs> and and warner brothers like read it and they're like no 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 what do you do like i think that's funny but they they didn't they didn't never hysterical. they never made varsity bugs. aren't they making another space jam or something space uh ryan coogler's involved yeah it's uh LeBron, yeah, lebron right. james and and uh and ryan coogler I um I, I'm I'm all for it, but I think those characters are strong enough where you don't have to tie them to anything. Yes. They're always like, well, let's tie them to sports, or let's tie them to fucking space, or let's tie them to this. An actor. They want an actor that'll that'll in case you don't know Bugs Bunny. Those characters, which is like, I mean, look, I will grant you this. You know, um, Tom and Jerry. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a name kids know, but aren't familiar with the. And if you were like, oh, they're a mouse and a cat that fight, they're like, oh, like itchy and scratchy. Right. And even then, they probably don't even know that reference that's anymore. That's true. Yeah. Because they true. don't, like, they're more family guy people. Yep. Bugs Bunny is a name that it's, it's immortal. It's yes. like Coca Cola. Yep. And that shit still works because it was edgy when they made it. So it still, like, kind of works today. Like, like, in fact, Bugs would work better now. Yes. Than he did then because it's such a fucking shitty sarcastic world. I'd say Daffy would too because yeah. the, the easily angered character is like super, yes. is super. These fun. are like 21st century characters <laughs> who could literally stand on their own. They don't need to be playing sports or fucking <laughs> like I don't know, or tiny. Yeah. They could just fucking or be themselves. Baby versions. Yeah. I 
I uh, I wrote a Muppet script around that time, and halfway through writing it, they asked me to put a human character in it, just to counter the fact that the Muppet. It was a different Muppet script. The, the fact that the Muppets may not be able to open the movie. Now Muppets was the thing that got you through the doors and shit. But and there's been a series of Muppet shit. You've never done a Muppet thing. Um, I I I've done a <laughs> a, 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 a what's it called a roundtable punch up for the Muppets Most Wanted, the the most recent one, uh-huh. and um. I had the script a couple days before and I like Dana Carvey does with on pets. I had 16 jokes for every line in case when they were reading through it, I, I saw an opening cause I didn't want to mess this up. Mm. Um, and I went to the meeting and I was late. It was on the Disney lot and I sat down and it was a spring loaded chair and I put my hand on it and the, the, then the spring proceeded to shoot me back up and it crunched my hand between the chair and the desk and it was dented. I could see it was bruised and red immediately upon starting this bunch up. I didn't tell them all day. Because I didn't want to miss out on the Muppets. It wasn't broken. I, but I it couldn't. Was like I couldn't move my hand. Pain, yeah, the all day, um, and none of the other writers there really want. They were doing it as a favor to the people that were like the producers or the director. Right. I was the only one. Like, can you believe we're here for the Muppets? And they're like, Yeah, it's great. Like, great kid. <laughs> so I did, and I kept pitching them, and they and I got laughs, and I and and when I went home, and the producer emailed me, he's like, Thanks so much for doing that. You really came prepared. I'm like, I love the Muppets. Also, here's 50 more jokes that I was too ashamed to do, and they're in the like a lot of them are in the movie. Should, I'm so happy. Like my favorite, one of my favorite jokes of, that I've ever written is in the movie. And no Which one, was it? It was uh, at one point. There's there's a new character named Walter. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember that they introduced one in Jason Segel's first one? He was the uh, the guy that whistles. The co was. <laughs> the co-lead the yeah one. with jason yeah. siegel in the movie in the second one walter runs away and kermit's like walter left and rolf goes didn't we just start a whole move uh, didn't wasn't the last movie all about him joining us and then a character who hasn't been in the muppet movies for a long time uh rizzo went yeah i mean at the expense of maybe muppets that other people would rather see like beloved ones that haven't had enough screen time uh, anyway let's go robin and robin's there and he sighs and they leave and I thought that was too inside baseball, but it's in the movie, and it, I'm so proud of that joke. Like, they don't use the rat anymore. No, not really, not really. And wait, and Robin, as in Little Curly, yeah, he doesn't even have a line. He just sighs and follows Rizzo <laughs> out the room. Jeez. And then there's an extra on the on the Blu-ray of Rizzo trying to get his career back on track because of that one line. So I, I, I like that 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 one joke that I came up with influenced it. It, it moved beyond the simple joke itself. Um, what is it uh, like when your real life exceeds your fucking fantasies? Uh, I worry a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I worry that it'll go away. Um, the movie's it's about not, to come out, and not, I worry about that. That it's not predicated on like, oh, he's fucking lucky and stuff. Like you work hard. You're always writing. You're one of the most prolific writers I've ever known. Even when you weren't like on a job, you were writing a script, and you turn them out very fast, and not like turn them out like, oh, he's Turner and Burnham that are fucking they're illegible and unreadable like each one was fucking like quality shit thank you so like it's all fucking due to your talent like they need you thank you at the end of the day um not not just illumination but this entire fucking business you're like one of those fucking creative people um what do you ever you long time ago and we talked about in the other episode brian directed a movie called big helium dog which Vinny just reached out to me the other day vincent Pereira, our friend to say there's a video company that he's working with. He's like, we should now we should do right. Big Gillian Dog. Um, Brian made this uh, the sketch comedy movie, which is fucking fantastic and also has like a bunch of people who went on to other things. If we it. released it today, like as a new movie, people wouldn't believe we got them. Like, it's so weird. Lorraine, yeah. who has her own career as like a fucking director. Lorraine just uh, 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 directed a movie with Jennifer Lopez and Cardi B is the lead. Yes. And, and the lady from uh, Crazy Rich Asians. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's your, um, the one who was... Uh, Constance Wu. Yeah, who was yeah. mad about being re-upped. Um, and also, 
She did the movie with Susan Sarandon. Oh, the the meddler, yeah, which yeah. is about her mom. Like I, I know Lorene's mom really well, mm-hmm. and that sounds weird. Um, uh, I dated Lorene, not Lorene's mom. Um, <laughs> uh, and uh, it's uh, Susan Sarandon's doing an impression of Lorene's mom. It's That's her mom's voice. It's great. It's Gale. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, but a fucking Michael Ian Black's in it. Like Brian fucking, Quinn. Brian Quinn. Oh my God, that's right. You and Mosher have great stuff in it. And uh, uh, Jay Chandrakasar. Yeah. Oh, a lot of the broken. Like Kevin Heffernan. Yeah. yeah. And there, I saw they've got like a TV show now. It's a uh, Tacoma um, True TV. It yeah, follows yeah. Quinn show. That's How wild. weird is our life? That's it's wild, funny. man. You predicted it. <laughs> it's all me. It's, it's, it's all the me. Big Helium Dog Network. They uh, they talk about it on a behind the scenes thing together. And like we were in a movie called Big Helium Dog, and Steve Lemmy goes, "Don't look for it." I'm like, cool. Thanks, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Um, do you ever want to get back to directing? Directing? I definitely do. You're I doing uh, fucking like. I mean, this goes without saying, but fucking, when you write a movie that makes a billion dollars, I'm sure they break you off a fucking shekel or two. Yeah, it's okay. I'm okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm okay. Well, I mean, if if you're doing okay between you and her, mm-hmm. and now the kids acting as well, right? <laughs> you're fucked. Well, you know, it's funny because I work in animation. Residuals don't apply to me. Is that right? Well, only like when I hit certain box office uh, points, of, like when it's out, I get bonuses, and right. they're great. Um, so I'm not complaining. But, but like later but, on down the road, no. And and Minions is on FX every day. So if it did, I'd be then you'd be like fucking filled. There are times where where minions and Secret Life of Pets are on just back to back to back to back to back on FX. Like Thanksgiving is just those two movies over and over again. That must feel Um, amazing. It's weird. It's it's just strange. It's I'm just I feel lucky. Like I, I don't know. I'm I'm. But Henry will get residuals because because he's he he's doing well. What uh, what do you think about what would you direct? Uh, I don't. You know, I don't know. I I've been offered certain things that I didn't come up with and i and i don't want to take that job away from someone who'd be more excited to do it here's my here's my pitch okay so brian wrote this fucking genius script it was original nightcrawlers yes which has been through so many hands and so many iterations it passed around like you know um like a well-read copy of catcher in the rye (laughs) and passed to a bunch of like catcher in the rye readers who are like you know what this is good it just needs this it just needs this it has been altered any number of times and it still exists in the library at Warner brothers. Mm-hmm. It's still their property. They could still wind up making it. But the original incarnation of it is really smart and you're so good with fucking kids and kids material. That to me seems like, you know, that's, that's, that movie makes so much money. Tell them what that movie's about. The movie is about, uh, it's kind of Ghostbusters uh, for kids in that uh, the boogeyman is sending his shadow monsters to uh, take kids from under the, like, come out from under the bed, take kids, pull them into his world and feed off their fear. Uh, so kids decide to create their own organization called Nightcrawlers and build uh, uniforms out of bed sheets Because when you're a little kid, you pull them over your head knowing monsters can't hurt you. That is so brilliant. So they're armed with like weapons, flashlights, and and they have toys that are also like, there's like an old gruff gruff teddy bear uh, that fight them. Uh, And and they have to do it before they turn 12 or they think it's just the game they play. They get too mature to do it. That is fucking fantastic. Heartwarming. When did you write that? (laughs) 98, 99. I mean... It's a 20-year-old script, but, like, fucking could work today. I think so. When it got into the system, like, uh, at one point, the Wayans had it because Andy McElfresh did a draft mm-hmm. of it. Other people had it. Every, uh, Adam Sandler, at one point, I remember, was like... He was, He circled it. Um, the guy that created Monk, I mean, he did a bunch of rewrites on it. 
And I, his was the best, I thought, of, of non-me. Did he keep it as kids or no? Because everyone tried to make it for adults. Yeah, they were kids, that, they're adults that had forgotten, almost like it. Yes. Like they had forgotten. Essentially, was, yeah, yeah. that kind of reminds you of the it to some degree. It, yeah. But the original incarnation is the absolute best. It's like, it's a cast of children. It's Bad News Bears. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's the adult figures and shit. But Certainly like, the bad guy would be, we could get a really a grown good. up and yeah. you get somebody really cool. Mm-hmm. But like, that, that to me feels like you know, in a world, I, I can imagine you going, being able to go to Warner Brothers, like, you know, this motherfucker wrote not just Minions, bitch, but Pets and mm-hmm. fucking like he wrote a couple rides and like he's fucking one of the biggest writers in this business. If you were to walk back in and be like, I wrote a script years ago that you guys bought. And look, you didn't buy it, but somebody who probably right. died bought it and shit. And I would like to direct it. Right. Like, because it's, you know, now nowadays, like these effects would be, it would be kind of like Hop, right? Like in as much as I think you could do fully animated, even if you want. I mean, Warner Brothers cartoon. has a, and they do have a kids cartoon division. Yeah, yeah. They, they're doing Scooby Doo. They did Lego. Um, they did, uh, yeah. They they, do, they definitely have. Claim it back, dude. This well, just you have so many good ideas. And tell them the holidays idea. That was also fucking. The holidays cool. idea was the one that Chris Meldandri bought at Fox before he left it. So like he bought it, he was all it's excited. There? Yeah, it's no, it's, it was options. So I think I have it back. Um, I T- think I have it back. Tell them what it is. It's uh somebody is. Kill- tell them what it is, and then bring it back to Chris and be like, "Hey, remember?" I don't know. Would Fox get mad at him though for buying what? it and then going elsewhere? That I don't know. I mean, how many years ago was that? This is also going back twenty fucking years. This is like fifteen years. This is pretty. Re- I, uh, the idea was somebody's killing the holiday icons off. Um, it starts with the killing the April Fool off, who's responsible for all the pranks on April Fool. April Instantly, Fool's the hairs on my arm go up. I'm oh, like, that's that sweet. Is so fucking good. Thanks. So then the FBI uh, to to um, to protect the holiday icons makes them live in the Midwest uh, under witness relocation as a normal American family, and that's Santa Claus is. Uh, the dad, and he gets a job as a UPS guy, and he's super fast at it. The tooth fairy, who's insecure that it's not a real holiday that she does, is the mom. The 400-year-old leprechaun has to act like the little kid. The teenager, Sam Hain, has to be the teenage girl. And then the baby New Year is, like, unlucky. Like, people get hurt around the baby because the baby takes all its luck is the is their baby. And then the Easter bunny has to pose as their pet. And the Easter Bunny has a problem hiding stuff. That's all he, he always wants. To do. <laughs> um, so they so they hate it because all these people that they've been serving and leaving presents for, when they live among them, they realize they don't like them that much. They're not they're not very appreciative of what they do. So they try to solve the mystery of who's trying to kill them off, so they can go back to their old lives. See, that is like so, like why is that not made? I don't know. I mean, oh, you know, specifically because of that one is because of a uh, Rise of the Guardians of DreamWorks. That's what everyone always brings up. They oh it's because the holiday like, oh, icons holiday teaming movie. up yeah yeah but that I I mean whatever I, I like I didn't like that movie should have appealed to me mm-hmm. and the look of it didn't I know what you mean you yeah know what I'm saying yeah. like and not that I'm like I'm not trying to put anybody down but like it the concept and when I heard of it was like oh dope and then I looked at images and I was like huh. They were very um, loyal to the book it's based on. It was like it was a very like they wanted to keep that look. I know what you mean. It wasn't it wasn't fun so much as like yeah. uh, old fat, like uh, epic feeling. And like they were cool, but they weren't like the I, Santa, I honestly you know, I didn't recognize them as as what they were supposed what they were supposed to be. Supposed to be. Like if you look real hard, you're like, oh, I guess well, Santa Claus is the large man <laughs> the, with the beard with the tattoos. He has tattoos all down. That was his the other too. thing. That was and he's Russian. Alec Baldwin did a real Russian voice for it. I remember that. Um, yeah, man. Fuck. I wrote it as a pilot too, Holidays, because I loved it so much. I just love the characters. So I wrote it at the same time as a movie and a pilot. Um, I actually think I like the pilot more. It was a little more adult, a little more like Simpsons. 
why don't you fucking go like I just because I don't talk. I know you're busy. I know. I, shit, but God, that's fucking dope. Warner like, Brothers has even sniffed around Nightcrawlers now with me and pursue it. I, 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 I mean, I'm I'm happy right now doing what I, what I, you I do. It. But I, when I come up for air, it is. I mean, I love Nightcrawlers. Nightcrawlers. Tell and, them to and, hold on to it. Be like, look, yes, and yeah. like, it, like it's going to take a minute anyway. It's like I don't know if I have to tell them because they're not do- <laughs> they're not doing anything with it. I don't know. Wait, so wait, who has it though? Warner Brothers. They'll always own it. But the holidays one came back to you. It's all out. Yeah, it's mine. Yeah. Why did? How come one went back to you and the other didn't? Warner Brothers bought Nightcrawlers outright, mm-hmm. and and. Chris Meldondry just optioned uh, the holidays. Um, but Warner Brothers told me the movie would be in production a year after they bought it. I remember that. Like, you go with us because everyone wanted it. Right. That sounds bragging. I'm sorry. It didn't. No, it, it was in hot contention. Yeah. Like, Lynch is that kind of writer. But because like, of the Coyote versus the, the relationship with them about Coyote, that I went with Warner Brothers and then they didn't make the movie. But, I mean, they paid you for three scripts, but to not make one of them is like, come on. Um, boy, fucking illumination more than made up for that. Yeah, well, they—that's another. Thing. It's like you—you you work so hard, and you—you—you you, you just want someone to give you a shot, and they have given me five or six. <laughs> so, like, I and I love them. I love the people there. I love the directors and the and the and the editors, and I just I'm, I'm I make movies with my friends, which is you know is like the it's 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 so much fun. The joy. Yeah. Um, who was? Uh, well, I don't want that because that plays favorites. Um, list. A bunch of people okay. that you were like fucking like in the Harrison Ford range of like holy shit I can't believe. The, oh, in terms of what kind of people they are as no, well that you've worked with. That, oh, like, um, like holy shit! Michael Keaton was the biggest one for right. me. Uh, Minions, uh, and I got to direct him uh, in the short that I did. He's one of the leads in the short. Get out of here! Yeah, that was great. Allison Janney is one of the best people I've ever worked with. Like she's just so fun to do. Uh, I just I, there's a ton of it, 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 I've been really lucky like Lake Bell like Jenny Slate is amazing um Lake Bell why do I know that name she's did uh, she make that movie which uh, uh in a world yeah she wrote and directed it and stars yeah yeah, yeah yeah that she does voices she's the fat cat Chloe in in pets oh get out of here and she created a show called bless this mess that's on TV right now with her and Dak Shepard or like a, yeah a, I a saw a billboard for that yeah she, that's what she's working on when she was doing pets too um I mean, I, Sandra Bullock was the main villain in Minions, so I got to work with her a lot. Um, Jesus, man, you've met so many fucking people in you, Hollywood. Yeah, you're, no, you're I, no, I mean, that's—I don't think I met any of those cats. But I'm even excited, like, and sounds even like the the, but but voice actors, like when Jim Cummings came in, and that was amazing. Get out T- of here, Tara Strong. I've worked. I, I love her. I got you know. I, I the great Tara Strong. She's that. She's amazing. Like she could. I, forget, I mean, she does a million voices in she all her movies. She was on Fat but, Man Beyond one night, and she just went through like. What I how old do you want it? Yep. Like she can give you a fucking age range. Yeah. She does a baby in the in the short I directed. And we had the storyboards and I'm like, I don't know quite how to do this. The baby's in it all throughout. She's like, let me just watch it and I'll t- I'll do the baby all throughout. She did it twice. She hugged me and she left. <laughs> it's like, okay, we're done. I got I got no notes. Like that's fine. But a bing but boom. Yeah, I'm from a pro. It's insane. It's insane. <coughs> it, the guy that played Max in the Goofy movie, I forget his name. He's wonderful. Uh, he he came in. And I was like, that's Max. Like I'm just I'm lucky out. to do what I do. Like all the I've worked I think with all the Animaniacs. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's, a, it's a fun life. It really is. What are you working on now? If Pets is coming out, are you in the midst of working on something that will be coming out three years from now? Well, I started working on Minions two, and that's coming out next year so my, my i i worked on it a little it's not mine as much as the first one was mm-hmm. but they have a, a writer on it now that's that's great um so i'm a little bit involved in that um i mean not right now they're just uh, illumination and i are trying to figure out the next one <laughs> so i'm writing basically 10 pages of a bunch of different versions and we see where we're going from there 
Um, and I and I have the book series that I. That I uh, Let's uh, talk about that. <laughs> Brian brought some books over, and Donnell Rawlings was here. <coughs> and he stole the books. He did. <laughs> they were meant for me, but Donnell was like, "Can I have these?" And then you could give Kevin two other books. <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> it really worked. He laid it out on Front Street. It totally made sense. What uh, are the books? The books are called Toy Academy, and it's um, the school that all toys have to go to before they go to stores to make sure the kids can they play correctly. Your wife must love you well yeah i mean even if i didn't have a I mean, these ideas i mean John I hope she he no just like these fucking like how like uh, you're just a, so imaginative i say that as somebody who fancies himself creative no. but i'm not imaginative like you know well you are no i'm creative not imaginative okay. I th honestly okay. think about it clerks came from real life that's not imaginative i've never been like what if the toys had to go to school? You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I don't think like that. Right. Like, as close as I ever got was like, what if angels and devils and Jay and Silent Bob? But your shit is like legit imaginative. Thank you. The shit that like builds childhoods. That's why I open with what it is. Like, think about it. In my DNA, buried deep and sometimes right up front, particularly around the holidays, is a lot of Rankin Bass stuff, yeah. right? Like, they, you know, a couple guys in a room you know i'm sure maybe a girl one girl is the 70s like a couple people in a room but mostly guys let's right. be honest <laughs> like came up with a bunch of imaginative shit that fed me that still feeds me to this day at 48 right. i'll still every once in a while I'll be like get the kid get the rabbit get the right. rabbit get the kid <laughs> and all those stories still like fucking matter to me and stuff that's what you're doing you know what I'm saying? And when you say something as simple as like, you know, all the toys have to go to school, instantly my heart just smiles. I'm like, Christ, that sounds like a happy childhood, you know, and people don't really do that so much these days. Like it's, you know, it's mostly IP and shit that is original then quickly becomes IP right. and stuff. And, you know, that's the way of the world. And, and I am bitching when you love something, you want to see it go on and on and stuff. But it takes a creative idea first, like to be imaginative, to like be like, you know, hey, man, what if like one of the holidays got killed and they all had to go to witness protection? Like, that's fucking brilliant. Keep going. I'm sorry. I interrupt you. I'm, I'm just by the fucking first line alone. I'm like, that's genius. I have more ideas. Um, I know if you, you want do. Them. Um, yeah. Well, the Toy Academy, it comes down to like I had the idea for a long time. But I couldn't write it until I had the lead character. I couldn't figure out who. Who's the lead character, Henry? Uh, no, no that is, <laughs> the book's dedicated to him, and he's like, "Cool." Like, all right. I'm like, "No, that's a big deal." All that's right, a never huge mind. Deal, Henry. Right. So um, he's like, "You don't get it. I'm, I'm yeah. in the secret life." Of is this gonna be a movie? Because then I'll be. <laughs> I could voice that guy. Can no. I get residuals from this book? <laughs> if not, fine. no. In fact, we're losing money because I spend time working on books instead of movies. Um, it, it, the lead character is a doll that was hastily made by a little girl mm. and thrown away because it's like uneven ears, one arm longer than the other she doesn't know what animal she was making she's like i hate it so he goes but he just wants to play he just wants to learn you're gonna make me cry jesus well, christ he sees a bunch of toys playing and he wants to join in and he can't he doesn't know what to do and a bus pulls up and the bus turns into a robot and it's an old transformer that can't really remember how to transform but is it takes him 20 minutes that's kind of the joke he's like the arms fall off and like you see it in the book and then <laughs> he's the scout for toy academy he brings him in you're going to like, I hope you like this. He takes him to a toy store in the discount section of every toy store is a play set called the warp zone and nobody buys it. Cause it's like $5,000. Like kids are like, no. So it's always there. Right. 
they drive through the warp zone. It takes them to the world of toys. That's genius. And they go to the school. There's also an evil toy academy where all the bad toys have to go. What are the bad? What's a bad toy? Like Skeletor, that kind of toy. Like the, <laughs> one of the characters you see is literally uh, a bad. Yeah, toy. right. You bad, learn bad how to toy. be bad, and you and you like how to p- position yourself under your parents' foot. Like that's the class they teach at the bad school. So like they hurt themselves. Um, you see like shark dentists because it's two things kids are afraid of at the bad school. Um, so the kid goes. The, the, the main the, the the main toy. His name is Grumbolt because a little girl just gave him a gibberish name and threw him away. Goes to Toy Academy, wants to be a toy. He kind of gets made fun of by like the G.I. Joe type. And there's a Star Wars character that he becomes kind of friends with. Like at Star Wars-esque, I should say. There's a salt and pepper shaker who are shaped like things that swear they could just be toys if given the chance. This character, <laughs> this character thinks he's going to be the best toy ever, but then gets insecure when people start going, we don't even know what you are. So he tries to figure out what he is. And that's what it become, becomes about. Basically, it's okay to not know what you are. And that's why I wrote the book because when I was a kid, I didn't, I was scared to death of like, well, what am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to? And, and I like that there's a book that's like, you're not supposed to know yet. It's okay. And then at the end of the first book, he said, he saves the toy Academy and he says, there you go. Congratulations. Now you're a plush. That's one of the majors at toy Academy. You can be a plush. You can learn to hug and stuff. Right. He goes, no, I don't think I'm that. I think I'm an action figure. And the second book is called Ready for Action, and it's him taking action figures classes and not being ready because he doesn't have the pegs in his feet that he can go in the vehicles and he doesn't know how to fight. He's stuffed and it becomes him proving that he can do that. Genius. And that's all about how like when I was a kid, I thought I was the only kid who was afraid to go to school. And then now that I'm friends with like jocks from high school on Facebook, I learned that everybody's afraid to go to school, even the jocks. So that's what it's about. By the end, you learn that the bully from the first book is like his best friend by the end of the second one. So like... Yeah. De- oh, stop trying to make me cry. What is the when? Where does does one buy that book? Uh, uh wherever books are sold, like bookstores, Amazon. Who um, put it out? Scholastic. Scholastic. Yeah, that's cra- that was crazy. I pitched it to. We f- grew up with Scholastic. I'm I Harry Potter. Greg, Greg Grunberg did a book with that. Oh, did he? Well, I think so. Dreamcatcher is with Scholastic. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, I I I uh, I couldn't believe. Like, I I pitched to eight different places, and a bunch of them, a couple of them made offers, and. When my when when I was told that Scholastic is one of them, I'm like, I can hear the terms of their deal, but I'm telling you, I'm gonna go with them. Like, right. I want that. You know, it's Harry. They did Harry Potter. They did the other school series. <laughs> so, did Scholastic do Harry yeah, Potter yeah, as well? Yeah. Um, I didn't even know that. I was thinking like, oh, Scholastic, charming uh, fucking name right. from my childhood. They're like, bitch. Well, we were the bridge to the Potterverse. They're they are, and they do like I believe they do like un- Captain Underpants too. Like they they oh, do serious. like they're alive and kicking. Right, yeah, they're great. In fact, maybe I should have gone with a smaller one because they're like, you're not Harry Potter. And I'm like, oh, like okay. you got lost in our Harry Potter way. There was a Harry Potter joke in it that I thought because it's Scholastic, I can get the rights to do it. Is a Harry Potter figure that keeps thinking he's in Hogwarts, and the teachers go, "For the last time, you are a toy. You are not Harry Potter." Like, right. and they had to take it out. It's not in the. It's not in the. They were like, the, it's "Yeah, we can't ask JK to, to to do this joke." I'm like, "Okay, that's fine." You're like, "But that's why I came to." Right, it's the Scholastic. only reason. But um, maybe if we do a movie version, that joke can go. That joke goes in. Um, oh my God, you have an enviable fucking career. You're crushing it. The Thank movie you. is called The Secret Life of Pets Two. It comes out this week. The books are called Toy Academy. You can get them wherever fine books are sold, aka Amazon. But if you see a bookstore, for Christ's sake, yes, go in and support it before they all go away. Um, the ride. It's called Minions, but then there's another ride coming called Secret Life of Pets. Yeah, off the leash, I think. Is that what they're called? <laughs> I think it? that's what they went with. Yeah. Um, then tangentially, he went to another ride, which he can vouch for. Smugglers. Smugglers. Blues. <laughs> <laughs> Blues Clues. Did you say that's coming back? 
Blue's Clues, yes, I know. It's pretty exciting. Really fucking sweet. I watched the commercial for it, but there's a new song. He's really excitable, the new guy. Like, he oh, is a ball of energy. He's, yep. he's the new Steve, yeah. man. Like, look, that's what you got to be. You got to be, like, super enthusiastic. Um, but I don't, I'm not uh, down with the, they changed it to, like, the name. It's not just Blue's Clues. It's like Blue's, Blue's Clues and, and You. you. <laughs> and so the song changed as well. I'm old school. But uh, I was happy to see. And also the rendering of Blue is. She's dimensional. Yeah. Like, yeah, she's yeah like, they put some money into it and shit. Sure. It's not your mother's blue. No way, man. They're like, ah, oh, come on. Kids aren't going to watch that. Um, that is, uh, that it's, it, there's any number of ways you can, uh, support the work of Brian Lynch. Uh, and you should always, man, because again, imaginative motherfucker. Like I, I bend a fucking knee. I bow ahead because I, I do feel I'm creative. I'm, you know what I am? I think of myself when people are like, oh, you're this, that. I think if I had to pick something for myself, I'm clever. That's about it. And clever will take you a long fucking way, man. Like clever will, Bugs Bunny's clever. Right. And he's still, as we said earlier, working and shit. But you are absolutely imaginative. And it's a fucking joy when you spit out a one-liner about what something you're working on where you're just like, oh, my heart fucking just smiles. It's so fucking awesome. I'm so happy for you. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin. Um, and again, like, fucking follow him on Instagram and you see how you should parent. Fuck. Without, like, he don't give out lessons. He's not, like, preachy. But, man, you spend so much time with that fucking kid. That's, that. that's, you, you understand. That's all the difference, man. And, fucking, you're just doing it right. God bless. Um, Brian Lynch, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for having me. So Kevin. fucking good. That's my cast for this week, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Kevin Smith. I'm Brian Lynch. Have a week. This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio. Sir, only at Smodcast.com.